Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is sponsored by the Motherness Podcast. Motherness is a New Zealand-based podcast dedicated to sharing mindful and empowering interviews with modern mothers and professional experts, hosted by Kiwi mum Sky Ross. Each episode of Motherness shines a light on the realness of raising babies and life postpartum, from the first newborn moments to the months following and the years beyond. Described by listeners as relatable, honest and genuine, one described Motherness perfectly by saying, I've found listening to Motherness to be a little moment of respite each week. An hour to listen, empathise and feel a little less alone in all the feelings we experience as mums. Sky has created something special here. She's articulate and compassionate in her interviewing style, allowing mums to really share their experiences in a heartfelt way. From conversations about sex and relationships, feeding and sleep, to bonding, birth trauma, perinatal mental health and everything in between, Motherness serves to hold space for mothers in all their glory to inform you, to include you, to empower you, and to connect you. Listen to Motherness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. And a huge thank you to Sky for sponsoring this week's episode. I would love for you to go and show her all the support after this episode. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Carmen about her three birth stories. So Carmen has a really interesting story to tell us. She fell pregnant after using clomiphene for three months in a row, eventually after quite a long fertility journey. So that was her first pregnancy, which ended in a caesarean. Then she fell pregnant with twins, and that was a VBAC. And finally, she fell pregnant with a singleton pregnancy, and that was also a vaginal birth. So there's heaps of other interesting information in this episode, but I just really loved speaking with Carmen about her experience, and she's also a midwife, so it was really great to hear that from her perspective. So I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did recording it, and we will jump into it now. Hi, Carmen. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. It's um been a long time coming, hasn't it? It <laughs> has. <finally> got there. <laughs> yeah, very happy to have you. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Sure. So I am Carmen. I'm 33 now. Um, I always forget my age, but yeah, that sounds <laughs> a bit scary now. I feel old. <laughs> um, and then I am married to Aiden, and he's just about to turn 40 this year. So. That's exciting. And then we have yeah. four little kitties. So we have Rosie, who is seven, and then we have twin boys who um, are six. Their names are Asher and Jude. And then we have a little boy as well after that, and he is four and a half, and his name's Taj. 
and we lo- live in the um, lovely Bay of Plenty in Tauranga. Yeah, awesome, very cool. And you're a midwife. I am. Yes, I have been a midwife yep. for I think over twelve years now, which yeah is scary because sometimes I still feel like I'm quite a new junior midwife, and then I think, well, <laughs> no, I'm not. I've been around a very long time. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I feel incredibly lucky to do the work that I do so I don't at all take it for granted yeah yeah very cool and what was the journey like to pregnancy for you the first time around um so it was it was quite a journey and people I think often look at me and think oh you've got four kids and they're really close together in age so it Mm -hmm. must have been really easy for you but it was actually quite a struggle so um we were trying for about a year and I always had quite a regular period so I knew something wasn't quite right and I could tell I wasn't really ovulating so we went down the sort of natural fertility route I was having a lot of acupuncture Um, I saw a herbalist and a naturopath I tried Reiki which was quite out of my comfort zone so I definitely like tried a lot of other routes to um try and fall pregnant but um yeah, it wasn't really happening. So then we went to the GP and because we've been trying for a year already, she was like, well, you can kind of keep trying or we can just start doing some investigations privately. And I was um, very impatient and just knew that that's what we wanted. So we went ahead privately um, and did some investigations to find out why I wasn't falling pregnant. So we did the test with Aiden and everything was normal with him. Um, He was pretty stoked. (laughs) So yeah, that (laughs) was done with him. And then um, I did some bloods and it showed that my hormones were kind of all over the show. So they suspected polycystic ovaries with me. Um, and then I went and had a scan and it showed cysts on both ovaries kind of everywhere and quite big ones. So yeah. at least when you were diagnosed, I was just happy to know what we were working yeah. with because then we could actually do something about it. So again, once we got those results back, she said, do you kind of want to go on the public wait list, which could be, you know, a year or two. Um, we were in Auckland at the time. Um, and again, I was just like, nah, I'd prefer to just get it going. Like if we had to do the full IVF, I think we would have had no choice but to wait for mm-hmm. that funding. But um, there were some things that we could try. So we decided to try around a clomiphene which, um, or Clomid, which basically just helps you to ovulate. And the first month, um, they thought I might be quite sensitive to it because I naturally am quite sensitive to drugs. So they just tried me mm-hmm. on like the quarter dose. So I think I would cut a tablet sort of into four and just took the quarter dose, but that didn't grow any eggs. So we knew that wasn't working. So that didn't work the first month. Um, and then that second month they put me on a half tablet or a half dose, I think. And I was growing two eggs that time. So they were like, well, it's definitely working, but beware that you've kind of got a couple of eggs there. So up to you if you want to try. <laughs> but we were so desperate for a baby that we were like, yeah, of course we'll go for it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't fall pregnant that month either which was so disheartening. And I think, Mm. I mean, anyone that's tried for a baby and hasn't fallen pregnant for a month, let alone month after month after month, it just, it's absolutely disheartening. And yeah, I felt like every pregnant person on earth would just like Mm. (laughs) come in in front of me. Like at work, I was obviously surrounded by it. Um, I had friends falling pregnant left, right and center, ones that weren't planning on falling pregnant, you know, like it was just, I felt like it was everywhere. So it was really hard to kind of walk that year out. Um, and then anyway, we did a third month and I fell pregnant that month, which was really exciting. So I think we had a really easy journey compared to some. So yeah, I feel very, like very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And did they sort of manage your PCOS in any other ways? Like, did you have to get the cyst removed or was there anything else that you could do? No, um, because I was kind of already trying a few natural treatments. They were quite happy, I think because of how I responded to the clomiphene. 
there was yeah. no real um, issues there. And I wasn't very symptomatic of it. Like I did have irregular periods and they were quite mm-hmm. sore. But apart from that, I don't typically look like I have polycystic ovaries. Like often people can be a little bit overweight, um, kind of a lot more hair on their, like on their face sometimes and stuff. So yeah. I didn't really have any of those symptoms. So I think it was probably um, a little bit of a milder dose in that respect. Mm-hmm. But then when they did see the cysts on my ovaries, they were like, no, that's definitely what it is. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. fell pregnant quite easy, really. So. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. And mm-hmm. did you find out that you were pregnant because you were sort of testing or how was that experience? Yeah, I think because we knew our dates so clearly and knew when yeah. um, because we did monitored cycles as well. So they were monitoring how the eggs were growing and then they went away and they were like, Okay, go have sex for the next week or whatever. So we knew exactly yeah. when it was kind of happening. So when my period didn't come on like sort of day twenty eight, twenty nine, I took a lot of pregnancy tests (laughs) I think I took three or four like in the same day just to check um because I just didn't believe it had actually happened so yeah yeah Yeah. awesome cool and how were you feeling in your first trimester did you have many early symptoms um I was just so tired oh my gosh Mm. I think that tiredness in that first trimester is like nothing else hey yeah yeah my gosh yeah so that was um (laughs) really intense and I was working like I was doing LMC work at the time so I had a big caseload of women and I was taking a big number back then because it was kind of pre-kids so um yeah my work was really busy and trying to work on top of that with feeling like I did it was really hard um but thankfully I never really got any morning sickness with any of the kids so that was a bonus. But yeah, I just remember yeah. coming home from work or having to leave work and stop my postnatals and just go home and have a nap because I was just so tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but otherwise, really good first trimester. Yeah, awesome. And what about the rest of your pregnancy? Did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand and did you have many other symptoms throughout your pregnancy? Yeah, the rest of the pregnancy was really, um, yeah, really easygoing. Nothing to really complain about. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I I did do all the routine testing. Um, With Rosie, everything was normal, but then maybe we'll talk about the twins a bit later because that was a little bit different and made me kind of view that testing in a bit of a different light. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. everything, though, that pregnancy with Rosie was great. Um, From about 20 weeks, she was, like, breach at that scan. But I always know, like, babies can be in any position and it doesn't really matter. But I did notice she was breach at that scan and she never turned from there on in. Um, so that was kind of the biggest milestone in that pregnancy or thing yeah. to kind of work through. Um, yeah. So about 36 weeks, 37 weeks, she was still breech. I had done everything in the books, um, mm-hmm. acupuncture, moxibustion. Again, I went back to Reiki. Um, I went to a chiropractor. I did, oh gosh, I hung upside down on an ironing board off my couch for like <laughs> weeks and weeks on end <laughs> trying yeah. to get her to turn. And I could feel a lot of the time, like especially when I was doing the moxibustion, she um, was really active and it felt like she was trying to turn, but she couldn't. Mm. Um, So, yeah, then um, an obstetrician, I was working at the normal hospital at the time, um, and he offered to do an ECV for me, So, which is when they kind of manually try and rotate or turn your baby from a breech position position into a head down position. So we did try that option because I just thought, I'll always wonder if I don't give it a go and... Yeah, so that was for us, it was um, quite a comfortable decision for us to make. And I think being yeah. in the field too, I was probably a little bit more comfortable than some people yeah. with that. So we gave that a go um, and it unfortunately didn't work at all. He got her like a quarter of the way around quite easily. And then he just said, she's just not budging. I can't get her <laughs> to turn any further. And he just let her go. And you could just see her head go from the side of my stomach all the way back down, uh. all back up to the top of my ribs. So she yeah. just 
wasn't moving. And at the time, yeah, we were like, I wonder why she's doing that. But then after she was born, um, we discovered that her cord was about 19 centimetres we measured it. So it's like the smallest cord I've ever seen. So I don't think she – I think she was trying to move, but she just literally couldn't move. I think she's probably on like a little tight bungee cord. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to know there was a reason why she was breech. Um, But we didn't know that obviously until after she was born. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. And did you find out the sex during her pregnancy? No, we didn't. We had a surprise. Yeah. I yeah. always wanted surprises. <laughs> so that was, yeah, so fun not knowing. Yeah, awesome. Um, cool. My and husband did you... really wanted to find out. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, it's one of those things. I didn't have the self-control. I was like, I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why people get like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. And did you sort of, obviously, I know you're a midwife, so maybe didn't feel relevant, but did you have um, hatched at the time or were you doing any external antenatal classes or anything like that? Yeah. So um, I guess for those of you that don't know, I run um, Hatch Antenatal, which is um, antenatal classes based in the Bay here, but we also have an online course. Um, So at the time, no, I wasn't running those. We only only set those up when we moved here, maybe three years ago. Yeah. So that's relatively new. Yeah. So I did do antenatal classes down there, though. I think we did one. Oh, I can't even remember who it was through. I think Mama Maternity. Um, yeah. So they were just a funded course that were local to us. And I really wanted to do something in the area, especially in Auckland, because you know how big Auckland is. Um, yeah. I just wanted to do something in an area where people would be living close by. So that yeah. was really cool. Made a really lovely group of friends. Um, and we still keep in touch now, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. And more for Aiden. Like I didn't um, obviously need the education, but I think it was really good for sure. Aiden to yeah. know a lot because I don't think it would have come quite as like re- received as well through me so I think it yeah. was cool for someone else to kind of deliver him a lot of that info yeah yeah um and I don't actually think I even told anyone I was a midwife most of the time and I remember always doing um we had to do like these activities where it was laying out how a, a labor a labor and birth kind of looks and dividing it into early labor and active labor phases and all these kind of questions and I remember just sitting there being like I'm not even gonna say anything I don't want anyone to know what I did for a job yeah yeah awesome cool and did you sort of do anything in preparation for birth so did you know that you were going to try and have a vaginal birth with a breech delivery or had you planned a c-section what was that like yeah so um Again, maybe because of what I do for work, I was very confident in trying for a breech birth. So um, I had like a really big discussion with my midwife about what that might look like. And she was so happy to support me. So we did decide to try for a vaginal breech. And that was mostly because I just really wanted her to come when she was ready. So I wanted to go into labor. I wanted to experience that. Um, Yeah, I just wanted those hormones to kind of be there and ready. So we just decided we'll just wait and see what happens. Um, and I also worked with an obstetrician um, who agreed to help me as well, which was amazing. Um, yeah. Kind of one of the only perks of our job. So that was a real <laughs> blessing. <laughs> um, so we decided that if everything was just going really normal, we would just go with it and allow things to happen. But if things weren't progressing, then we would kind of pull out and do a cesarean with like a low threshold. Sure. So what we kind of know from twi- like breech babies is if you – try and force them to do things that they're kind of not ready. That's when you often run into complications. Mm-hmm. But when a breach just happens naturally and on its own, then they're generally not too risky. Yeah. So that was kind of our way of thinking. Yeah. And I had to go from like, we were planning a home birth. Like that is what I wanted from the start, um, which took a while to 
get Aiden on board with that because he was not keen at the start (laughs) but for me it was like no this is where I'm going to be comfortable birthing um so I don't think he was too gutted to have to be at the hospital in the end (laughs) so yeah it was a big change in my mindset because I really did want to be at home yeah Um, but at the same time like I just know what it's like in this job and what it's like for birth so I always knew that I couldn't hold on to that but I think part of me still just Kind of wishes I had my home birth at some point, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And were you doing anything else like antenatal expressing or perennial massage or anything like that um, pre-labor? Yeah, I did a lot of antenatal expressing. I had a really good supply sort of from quite early on. So yeah, I did have a fair bit of milk um, once I went into labor to be able to feed her if we needed. Uh, I don't think I did any perineal massage. I don't think that was like a really big thing. Yeah. She's nearly eight now. Yeah. Um, it kind of wasn't, yeah, something I really knew a huge amount about back then. But if I was to have a baby tomorrow, I probably would give it a go. There's yeah. definitely no harm in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't something I even thought of back then. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And did you end up yeah. going into labor spontaneously? Do you want to take us through that? Yeah. So I think I was. Um, four days over. So I woke up about, I think it was three in the morning with some um, contractions that were really comfortable at the start. They were just, you know, just a niggly and annoying, not letting me sleep. So I kind of got up, went and laid on the couch. I think I was just watching a movie from about three or four in the morning, just trying to distract myself a bit. And then Aiden must've got up about six or seven. And I remember just walking into the bathroom, he was in the shower and I was like, I think I'm in labor, <laughs> you know, and dad's going to like full panic. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's all good. Like everything's fine. So anyway, I was just like, no, this could go on all day. Like you go to work and I'll just call you if I need. So I was quite happy to, you know, potter around home and just see how things went. But the second he left for work, my sister turned up on our doorstep. (laughs) So I think he must have rung her and said, my gosh, go be with Carmen. (laughs) So she just hung out with me for the morning from about seven or eight. um, And we just potted around. I think maybe about 8.30 or 9, my waters broke um, and it was like in the movies. It was just, I wasn't contracting particularly often at that point, maybe every five or seven minutes, but oh my goodness, it just went absolutely everywhere. Um, So yeah, that was good, I guess. But because she was breech um, and you've obviously got like a higher risk of potentially a cord coming down or something like that, we decided we'd probably head to the hospital a little bit earlier because I was definitely mostly comfortable at that point. But then once my waters did break, things really ramped up a level. So I think my sister called my husband home. Um, and by the time he got home, I was quite distressed. And yeah, things just went from zero to 100 really quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we went to hospital. Um, my midwife was actually on a study day, like her one study day that year she did. <laughs> so I was really upset about that. But she had an amazing backup. And then I think they kind of swapped over once her study day finished. So I ended up having a couple of people look after me so when we arrived at the hospital I think I was about three or four centimeters so I wasn't like in really rocketing labor but things had definitely sort of started to establish at that point um and I had agreed to doing like a lot of monitoring of baby but I also wanted to be up and mobilizing so we kind of halfway agreed on monitoring baby for like 15 20 minutes and then I'd jump up and have a shower got in the bath for a bit walked around we'd go back on the monitor so that's kind of how the next few hours went um I think at some point I did use the gas as well. Um, yeah, so I must have got, I think, to about four or five centimetres and then we didn't progress from there. So they recommended perhaps just having an epidural to see if that would help relax me and just allow a bum to come down more. But unfortunately it didn't. So I think about nine or ten that night, um, the obstetrician that I was working with, he came across and did an examination. He was like, nah, she's just 
not fitting her bum's really high still um so it's not looking very hopeful and because we'd agreed on not interfering and putting up syntocin on or anything to encourage contractions because normally if you had a baby that was head down Mm. you'd absolutely try that to try and get things progressing but because we'd agreed like if it's not happening let's just call it so yeah we went for a cesarean that night I think she was born at maybe 11-ish at night um and it was a really good experience it was really nice and relaxed and Again, because of my job, it wasn't yeah. a scary thing for me being in theatre. It was quite a comfortable place for me to be. So, yeah, I think we had a really, really nice experience. Um, and finding out, I just, I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> they, I've got a photo of it too, where he dangled her little, very swollen bottom <laughs> um, above me so we could see what she was. Yeah. So instantly I was like, it's a girl. My husband's like, no, they're boys. Uh, I was like, no. <laughs> That's just because she'd been like banging on the surface yeah, yeah. for well, probably like 12 hours, she was very swollen yeah. down there. <laughs> so he was a little bit confused initially. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and from there everything was, yeah, really good. Yeah, amazing. And how long did you end up staying in the hospital for post um, your caesarean? Yeah, so I must have been transferred to the ward about midnight and then I stayed till about 9 or 10 the next morning and then I transferred to birth care yeah. from there. Yeah. And then we stayed, um, I think we got a private room for a night just to have a little bit of space to just us. Um, and I just stayed till the next morning and then we went home. So I think I was home before the 48, like well before the 48 yeah, wow. hour mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I was quite fit back then. Um, like I was doing a lot of gym yeah. work up until I think my due date um, and I was eating quite well and stuff. So I think my body just, it just recovered really yeah. well. And that's why I'm really big. Like with all my women, I just say, just stay in the best shape you mm-hmm. can because birth is just generally a fair bit easier to recover from if you're in great shape. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're looking after your body. So, yeah, it was not a hard recovery at all. I think I had seen so many extremes. I'd seen women that would bounce out of bed within four, you know, four to six hours after a cesarean. And then I'd seen women that were still bedridden mm. at 48 hours and in so much pain. So I knew that there was no normal. Yeah. Um, so I think I was quite surprised at how comfortable I felt after I'd had yeah. her. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And how did Rosie go at latching on? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. In the early days. Um, again, I think just knowing the technique of how to get yeah. her on was really useful. Yeah. But I still, it's very different when you're doing it on yourself. Yeah. And all around the clock like you know every three hours for 24 hours a day it um yeah it was different experiencing that yeah. so I don't think her latch was awesome and so we ended up quite a bit of nipple damage quite early on um so I ended up going back to see the lactation consultant in about five or six days just to try and fix her latch um, but by that point my nipples were so blistered and damaged and it was pretty horrific like gosh that pain mm. is pretty intense on your yeah. nipples <laughs> Yeah, which I think was a good thing for me to experience because I think it's really helped me realize like when a woman says that, I'm like, I know, I I really get it. Like I remember how hard that is. And I think because it is so um, constant, like having to feed your baby for an Mm. hour every couple of hours, it just, yeah, it's pretty all-consuming. Yeah. Um, But yeah, once we got her latch sorted, and I think she was just learning and I was learning as well. So um, yeah, once we got that sorted, that was probably about a week in that I felt a lot more confident with that. But I still for a couple of weeks my nipples just really mm-hmm. still needed to heal and it's really hard for them to heal so yeah. I'm feeding them all the time yeah <laughs> so yeah definitely the breastfeeding was 
um, probably the most challenging thing in that first six week period. Yeah. And how did you go sort of once you got yeah. home adjusting to life um, as a new mum? And yeah, obviously such a huge change. So did you notice like the baby blues at a few days postpartum or any of that? I don't think I did at all. Um, I'm pretty relaxed. So I think I kind of just went with yeah. the flow. Um, so yeah, it was a really enjoyable six weeks. Aiden was home for a couple of weeks. We had amazing family support and being the first grandbaby and first <laughs> niece, she was very spoiled and people loved on her. Yeah. And we had an amazing group of friends that were bringing us meals. I, th- I don't think we cooked for probably the first four weeks. Like we just constantly had meals brought <laughs> to us. And yeah, so the first month was really enjoyable and yeah, I think as well, I just, with my job, I just knew not to sweat the yeah. small stuff and just kind of went with the flow yeah. a lot. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really good experience. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I really look back fondly to those yeah. days. Like I think that fourth trimester is so special. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And did you go back to work yeah. um, after having Rosie? Yeah, I did quite soon afterwards. So I was actually talking to my girls at clinic the other day about, you know, now it's 26 weeks yeah. Per, yeah. pay parental leave but back then for all my babies even Taj only four years ago we, we only got that 12 to 14 yeah. weeks I think was the max um when he was born so I mean 12 weeks goes so quickly so yeah I was back at work um I think in about four months but when I worked at Middlemore they were absolutely amazing and they let me go back and just do like a four-hour yeah. shift so that was a really nice way to get back yeah, into awesome. it and I don't think she took a bottle very well. So I remember um, my husband having to bring her in on a weekend a few times to feed her because she um, <laughs> wouldn't take food otherwise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went back probably just four hours once or twice a week in the early stages. And then um, once she was sleeping better at night, which was about six months old, I went back and did like a full night shift yeah. for eight, eight or 12 hours, I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah, it was quite good. So I, I stopped doing the LMC work at that point and just went back and did shift work because yeah. I just found that that would be a little bit more, probably just work with our schedule a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And did yeah. you consciously decide that you wanted to try and fall pregnant again? Do you want to take us through that journey? Yeah, so we I had always um, kind of wanted to have the kids quite close together. So we decided when she was probably about nine or ten months to – start trying knowing that we had issues last time um but then you often hear stories of people like even needing full IVF and then Mm. second time they get pregnant so easily so I was hoping that maybe being pregnant had kind of sorted some of my issues out um and to be fair I probably didn't give it much time like we'd never used contraception up until Mm. that point but I was breastfeeding and I don't think I was very fertile but at about 11 months I was like no I want to be pregnant so I went back (laughs) to the obstetrician and um, I think this was a different obstetrician this time. This was just a, a friend from work, um, one of the doctors at work, and he saw me privately and prescribed, prescribed me clomiphene again. So we did another monitored round, and I don't think the first one – it must have been about 10 months, so that first one didn't work. And then the second month, again, we were growing two eggs every okay. time. So the second month they were like, yeah, there's another two eggs here. And that month both of them took. So that's how we ended up with our little twenties. Yeah. And was that quite a shock when you went yeah. in for your scan or how did you sort of find that out? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a shock. <laughs> I yeah, I still remember that moment of going, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this. So I always knew it was a yeah. possibility, but I didn't think it would ever actually happen yeah. to me. Um yeah, so when we first went for our first scan at six weeks, um, there was just one heartbeat. 
And then sort of halfway through the scan, he said, but there is another sack, but there doesn't look like there's anything in there at this stage. So we left that scan going, okay, well, we've, we're pregnant with one baby, but there potentially might be another one there. We'll just wait and see. And when I was um, having the monitor clomiphene cycle, one of my eggs was quite large and they said that probably released an egg a lot sooner than right. the other one that was growing yeah. behind it. So what it looked like is probably I ovulated and one fertilized quite quickly and then the other one came a few mm -hmm. days later. So I think it was always a little bit behind. So, yeah, um, again, I knew the guy that was doing the scan and he said to me, oh, come back in two weeks and we'll know for sure. And then I must have texted him about four <laughs> or five days in and I was like, I literally can't wait any longer. Can you please can you see me? And he was like, that's fine. Come in in a few days. So we went back a week later and then, yep, there was definitely two heartbeats there. So, yeah, walking away from that scan, I just remember ringing all my family being like, oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's yeah. such a shock knowing. And I think when you've had a baby before, you really know what you're in for more. And yeah. I just thinking, oh, my gosh, one baby is so intense. How the heck am yeah. I going to do yeah. two? Um, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. And I know um... – I often talk about this or get questions about this on the podcast. So once you've had a C-section, they recommend a period of time that you don't fall pregnant. Is 10 months or 11 months postpartum quite early or is it pretty safe from then? Yeah, I mean, it is quite early. Um, and it was a question I asked my obstetrician when he discharged me um, yeah. at that six-week mark with Rosie. I said to him, I want to have these babies close together. Mm -hmm. What do you think about me falling pregnant soon? And he was like, Anytime after nine months, I think you would be fine. And he cool. said, but then there will be some obstetricians that recommend 18 months at least. Yeah. Um, so because I had the okay from him and he knew he did my cesarean and he was not concerned at all with my healing. So he yeah. was like, I'm not worried at all. Um, yeah, awesome. So yeah, for me, I think because I had no complications, um, I wasn't yeah too worried. But then when I was pregnant with the twins, I was like, oh gosh, that's going to be even more strain <laughs> on my uterus. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was fine. So I think it's probably a conversation to have with the obstetrician after yeah. you have your cesarean. Yeah. So to be safe, I would say to most people, probably a year is a safer yeah. alternative. But you see a lot shorter gaps all the time and yeah, yeah. often it's fine. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And how were you feeling throughout this pregnancy? Was it much different to your first in terms of symptoms? Um, Not really. I was, again, just really tired. And I, I don't think I ever vomited, but I definitely felt pretty queasy a yeah. lot of the time. Um, so definitely a little bit more morning sickness, um, but again, nothing to really complain about. I know, I mean, some people just vomit all the time and especially yeah. people with twins often are quite unwell. So yeah. I, yeah, I feel very lucky that I didn't have to deal with that because yeah. again, I was back working and yeah. So, and looking after a one-year-old, so that was pretty busy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And did you do, I think you mentioned earlier that you did the standard testing again in this pregnancy. Yeah. So we decided to do the, um, like chromosomal screening. Yeah. So we did that. Um, and at one of the, the scans, the second twin, um, who's our little Jude that we know now, um, he came back with a really high nuchal fold. Mm -hmm. um, and back then we didn't have a nip test like you can do these days for a lot more accuracy. So um, that was kind of the only testing we had apart from going from amniocentesis. So we came back with a really high um, rate of, you know, or chance of having a baby with Down syndrome, yeah. which for us wouldn't have changed our mind. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I think Down syndrome babies are the sweetest things on this planet. And if I fell pregnant tomorrow with one, I would, oh, 
I just I think they're amazing so the thought of it didn't worry me at all it was more just um I just didn't want any health complications and all of that with it so um yeah when we went through that and the thing with I think with the twins um when you do those blood tests it's not super accurate either because they don't know what twin is kind of sending off those markers yeah so um obviously the nuchal fold being high was an indication but then also the bloods were putting that at a higher um chance as well so but but they were kind of like we don't know if it's one twin or if both of them are kind of just putting out a bit higher and making your result higher so it was very unknown so they obviously offered us an amniocentesis, which we declined because it does come with a rate of miscarriage. Yeah. And being pregnant with twins, I was like, I'm not going to put, for us, I didn't want to put both the twins at mm-hmm. risk for that, um, considering it wouldn't change our decision. So for weeks, I was really worried. And I remember crying all the time, just thinking, oh, gosh, um, you know, kind of, I just, I think it was just the unknown and not knowing yeah. what was yeah. potentially going to happen. But, um, yeah, I just really got a piece about things and I, I don't think from probably about 15 or 16 weeks onwards I even really ever thought about it again. Yeah. And I just had decided that if that's what we are blessed with, then that's what we'll deal with on the day. And I remember after them being born, I just remember looking at him and going, oh, you don't even – you don't have Down syndrome. Like it didn't even enter my mind until after he was born. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I feel really glad that I didn't worry about that for the whole pregnancy. But it definitely made – the next time we got pregnant um, made me question whether I would do that screening mm. or not because it just put, I think, unnecessary yeah. stress for me on what that was like when it wouldn't change our decision. And I yeah. know for everyone that's really different. But, yeah, for us, eh, we decided next time not to do it just because of that reason. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And yeah. how yeah. were you sort of feeling towards the end of that pregnancy? Had you planned to have a caesarean again or did you want to try for a vaginal birth? What was that like? Yeah, so um, the rest of the pregnancy was absolutely fine. I think with twins, we know that often they come early. Yeah. So I'd spent the whole pregnancy thinking they're going to come early, they're going to come early, and then 37 weeks came and I was still <laughs> very pregnant. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we decided that we would try for a vaginal birth with the twins. And, um, again, I just wanted to see if they would come when they were ready yeah. um, and they were really well grown. There were no issues with their growth or anything like that. So. Yeah, we had, again, um, I used a different obstetrician this time because my other one had retired, um, and he was amazing. He was so supportive of that and, again, just said um, he kind of had a few things he was quite keen for me to have. He was like, I prefer you to have an epidural just in case we need to go for a cesarean quite quickly. Um, And I was, I love epidural, so I was like, sweet, (laughs) that's totally fine by me. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we decided to be induced about 37 weeks and three days, I think. Yep. Um, and I had had a few stretch and sweeps up to that with my midwife. So I knew I was already about two or three centimeters dilated. So when I went in, they just had to break my waters. So he did that at about nine in the morning. Um, and then I walked around for a few hours, didn't really contract much at all. I had a few niggles here and there. And then, um, from there, he was happy to start some syntocin on, which for some obstetricians, they are not particularly happy with that mm. because of the risk to the um, like extra pressure on the uterus and the scar. Um, so I think probably having a private obstetrician was quite useful because I could have that discussion before with him yeah. um, about what he was happy with and he was happy to do that. But I know like often if you're under the hospital system and you have a team of obstetricians, then you might come up against a bit of um, pushback from that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for us, we decided we'd do that. So I had an epidural, had the syntocin on, and I was really comfy for about five or six hours. So 
I remember I watched a whole season of Downton Abbey. <laughs> I've got a few photos of me sitting there watching that, which is cool. <laughs> um, and then I had my mum and my sister and my husband there and they were all kind of just working and we were just hanging out. So that was really enjoyable. And then at about 4 or 5 p.m., my epidural just suddenly completely wore off, well, mostly on the right side, which is with all the babies I've had this pain on my right side where I must have – obviously my nerves are just a bit weird and they can't block completely everywhere. Yeah. So the same place and, yeah, on my right side it just started to completely wear off and they checked me and I was nine centimetres. So it wore off at a pretty horrible mm-hmm. time in my labour. Um, so that next hour was – horrific I remember just yeah it was really sore because I think I was just so comfortable and pain-free for hours yeah. and then suddenly to go into that transition phase with no pain relief on that side yeah. it felt horrible um so yeah the obstetrician came in from his dinner and then um, I got to fully quite quickly and then started pushing um again with still without a huge amount of pain relief I think they tried to top up my epidural but it just wasn't really working yeah. and I think because we were so close they were like well let's just get you pushing and get these babies yeah. out um, so yeah, I must've pushed for about 40 minutes and then he gave me a hand with a Vontus for the first one for Asha. Yeah. Um, so again, we had surprises with them. So that was so much fun. <laughs> um, so the first baby came out and obviously having had a girl before, I think my husband kind of secretly wanted a boy. So when <laughs> yeah. the first boy came out, he was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he came out and then I think the worst part was having to push again. Like it was yeah. really hard pushing and then to be told you have to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like it, when I worked at Middlemore, I mean, often those Samoan and Tongan and Māori girls, they just are machines at having babies. Um, and I'd watch so many births or twin births and they would have one baby and then push for a couple more minutes and then the next baby would be born. Yeah. So for me, I just thought that's what was going to happen to me. I thought I would push for another five minutes and then I'd have a baby. But no, I did not. I had to push. I think they were born exactly half an hour apart. So it was another half an hour of such intense pushing yeah. with that pain still there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the next little twin came and I have a video of him being born. And oh, it was just, yeah. I mean, it's just such amazing moments. Yeah. Hey? So finding out we had the second boy was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that we had two boys because I did have a little peek on one <laughs> scan when he was scanning. The second baby at one point, I kind of looked over and I thought I saw a little willy. So <laughs> I kind of had my suspicion that we maybe had one boy in there. Yeah. So, yeah, my husband thought Christmas had completely yeah, come I with his two little boys. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, so we got to do like skin to skin really quickly with awesome. them and they breastfed really well from the start. Um, yeah, they were little. They were only five and six pounds. So um, they kind of need a little bit of monitoring with um, – all of that. And we had lots of people in the room, obviously being twins. Yeah. We had like, I had quite a lot of my family there and then we had the midwife and another charge midwife come in and then the obstetrician and then another doctor. And then we had a couple of pediatric doctors and actually one of the funny things <laughs> I trained with a guy, like he was training to be a pediatric uh-huh, yeah. um, doctor at Middlemore with me. So I'd got to know him quite yeah. well. And then I hadn't seen him for a while. And then he walked in with my legs just <laughs> right up in the stirrups about to have a baby. And I just remember his face being like, oh, this is so yeah. awkward. I don't even know where to look because <laughs> my friend is like, I'm watching my friend have a baby. It was quite funny. Yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah. awesome. And did you need yeah, any stitches or anything like that from this birth? Yeah, I did. I think he did a small episiotomy, yeah. but that was, um, yeah, that healed really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no big concerns there. Um, so I think we spent maybe two or three hours on the birthing unit there at delivery suite at Auckland hospital. Yeah. And then we went straight to birth care from there. Yeah. So I think we were at birth care by about 
maybe 11 at night yeah, awesome. or 12 at night. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. And how did you go once you left birth care and um, got to take the boys home? And obviously you've still got Rosie who's quite little. So how did you go adjusting to um, yeah. life as a mum to three instead of just one? I know, gosh. I know people often ask, like, how was having two kids? I'm like, I never yeah. had two kids, so I don't know. I went from that one <laughs> <Yeah>. to three. <laughs> um, so we stayed. We had to stay in birth care for about four days because um, as we are getting the first 24 hours, we had to monitor the little Jude's blood sugars because yeah. he was only like 2.3 kilos. So we had to monitor those. Um, and then as we got over that hump and we're just establishing tandem feeding and stuff, um, Asher, the first twin, got really jaundiced. Yeah. So he needed then a couple of days um, under phototherapy. So, yeah, I think we were four days there before we got to yeah. go home. And unfortunately, my husband had just started a new job not long before the twins were born and was doing insane hours because he was working mostly with um, a bunch of people in the States. So he had to start at three in the morning mm -hmm. and then um, it was all commission based. So he then also to try and just pay the bills because I obviously wasn't working. Um, he'd do a little bit of extra marketing work after yeah. that. So he'd work from about 3 to 1 p.m. on that job and then he'd stay in the office and do another three or four hours of um, marketing work to bring in the money. <laughs> so, yeah, that was really hard because he went back to work like a few – when the twins were a couple of days old and then once – yeah, once I got home, he was back at work. So I remember on day five when I yeah. was home by myself with three kids, I just remember thinking, oh, this is <laughs> not quite what yeah. I imagined. Because, <laughs> I mean, first time round he took two yeah, weeks yeah. off and we just spent all that time together and then – yeah, second time round, I was just on my own from four or five days. So, but it was fine. I think with the twins being a little bit early and being little, they were so sleepy. So they just basically slept for the first six weeks of their life. Like they'd wake up for a feed and then, yeah, go back to sleep. And so it meant it was quite a nice adjustment for Rosie, I think. I mean, she was so little. She was yeah. 18 months. So I don't think she kind of knew what was going on half the time. But um, yeah, it was just nice to have a lot of time to still spend with her. And I made a real like it made it really intentional to spend that time when they were sleeping because obviously when they're feeding it takes quite yeah. a while um to just really spend that time with her to make her feel that she was still very important yeah. Yeah. awesome and how did you go with your breastfeeding journey with mm -hmm. the boys yeah it was amazing I'm so lucky that I had so much milk every time um I would often um feed them and then still be able to express probably about 200 oh mils after yeah. I fed them um, and they put on weight really well. Yeah, so I've never had to give a bottle, which is – I'm just lucky that I've had a great yeah, supply yeah. Um, because I'm not opposed to that at all. I think formula is yeah. amazing as well. But, um, yeah, I was just very lucky that I didn't need to do anything. But I think it did make it easier because I think if I had to breastfeed them and then express and then top them up and mm. clean bottles, like that process just would have taken up all yeah, my time yeah, on my own. For sure. Um, whereas I could just focus on learning how to tan and feed them. Um, and I remember talking to a few other twin mums. I had a, a lady, a friend that um, had twins maybe a year before and she just gave me so many yeah. tips and she was like, you need to learn how to tan and feed them because it'll just cut your time in half. Um, and when one wakes up, make sure you get the baby on at the same time so get both of them awake yeah. at the same time because I remember trying for a few days just letting them do their own thing um, but I just constantly was always awake yeah. with one baby feeding yeah. them so yeah that kind of worked really well once we got a little bit of a routine going yeah. there yeah awesome very cool and what was your physical yeah. recovery like from this birth obviously having had a cesarean and a vaginal birth although it was to two babies um how did you find the yeah. sort of difference in your physical recovery um, 
I mean, it was okay. I actually sometimes I look back and I go, maybe I should have had a negative <laughs> cesarean because I did a, bit, a fair bit of damage to my pelvic yeah. floor. So um, the first issue as soon as they were born was my tailbone. I remember as soon as I had them, when I got off the bed, I was like, man, my tailbone's yeah. really sore. Um, and I could hardly sit those first that first week. And I remember at birth care, they used to have, um, they still might have that, a physio on site. And so she came and spent a bit of time with me and she's like, I'm actually quite worried you maybe fractured your tailbone because it was yeah. that bad. Um, but I got an x-ray at six weeks and they couldn't really see a huge amount. So they, they saw a little bit of a line. So they think maybe something has started to heal. So I don't officially know if it was broken or not, but it definitely felt like that. So that was really tender. Um, but like my perineum and body otherwise was perfectly fine. That recovered really well. It was just literally yeah. this tailbone yeah. issue. And then I remember it probably about two weeks postpartum, I was in the shower and kind of had a feel and looked down there for the first time. And I was like, "Uh Oh, that doesn't look very normal. <laughs> um, and there was not so much that didn't look normal. Actually it was more of a feel. I could just tell it felt really yeah. heavy down there. So I remember ringing my midwife at like 10 p.m. at night. I'm like, I don't think something something's down there that's not meant to be down there. And she's like, oh, it'll just be probably a little bit of a prolapse. Um, so I went back to the physio again and was diagnosed with um, like a, I think probably an anterior yes. wall. So where yes. my bladder was, a prolapse there. Um, so, yeah, kind of still a little bit of an issue about six years down the track. But it's never been – it's never caused yeah. huge dramas, but it definitely feels kind of heavy down there. So I've done a lot of work with physios after having the babies to try and make my pelvic floor as yeah. strong as I, yeah. I can. So sometimes I look back and go, I wonder if I had a le- like an elective cesarean if that maybe yeah. wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it's hard to know. That. You never <laughs> yeah. know. Who knows? Yeah, it might have been the weight of just carrying yeah. two babies being yeah. pregnant, you know, like that was a lot of baby sure. in there. Yeah. Awesome. And mm-hmm. how were you sort of going when or did you make the decision that you wanted to try and have um, another baby? What was that sort of conversation and experience like? Yeah, well, my husband's an only child, so he was pretty happy with the three babies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think if I hadn't had twins, I would have been happy to stop at three. Mm-hmm. But after only having two pregnancies yeah. and two births yeah. I, and it's like two newborn periods, I just didn't feel done yet. So we yeah. kind of talked about um, ha- trying clomiphene again, but maybe waiting, knowing our risk of twins was high. And then once you've had twins, your risk goes up even higher. Right. So we were like, we have to be prepared for another set of twins. And I was like, there's no way I can do five kids yeah. under the age of like the twins were only, you know, one. I was like, I can't do that right now. <laughs> so we decided we'd try clomiphene probably when the twins were three, yeah. if we wanted to have another baby still then. Um, but then we were in Queenstown on a family holiday. And I remember looking at my skin and just being like, my skin is horrific. And this is not normally like this. And I was really tired. Um, but I didn't really think anything of it after that. And then we got home and I was like, oh, I actually don't think I've had my period. And my periods were always quite far apart anyway, like 35 days. Um, but I must have been at like day 40 something. And I was like, I don't even think I've had my period for ages. Maybe I've missed it. So I was like, I'll just do a pregnancy test. And then just about blew me over when I <laughs> saw the positive sign come up. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think I could fall pregnant naturally. But we did. Yeah. So very relieved to see only one baby on that scan <laughs> that was my main thing yeah um not because I didn't want another set of twins I would have totally welcomed that it was just the fact that Rosie was only two and yeah. the twins were only one and I yeah. just 
couldn't imagine doing five kids under the age of three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how were you feeling in this pregnancy? Was it much different to your other two? Nah, so I would say probably all three of my pregnancies were very similar. Yeah. Again, not really any morning sickness, just tired. Um, we actually moved to Tauranga when I was about maybe 10 weeks, 10 okay. or 11 weeks pregnant. Yeah. So that was probably the biggest adjustment that pregnancy. It was the fact we were moving house, moved away yeah, from all yeah. our family, um, which was hard because we really relied on them for that support. Mm. So that was a big thing. Um, we just knew it was kind of the right timing to be down here. And then obviously to find a new midwife. And that was really hard because I had this amazing midwife in Auckland who, oh, she's like a mum and just, she was exactly what I needed. So, um, yeah, having to n- not be able to have her was pretty horrible. Yeah. But it is what it is. But I know, like, I've, if you've had a baby before and been with that same midwife a few times, you just build a really special bond with yeah. them. So, yeah. yeah, that was, like, a bit hard not being able to have her. Um, yeah, and then down here, like, I had to find a new job. We were obviously, like, we rented a bit of renos on the house. So it was a really busy pregnancy. Um, and the twins were yeah. at a really busy age. Yeah. I mean, they were, like, just over one and causing chaos yeah. but anyway <laughs> yeah awesome and yeah but mentioned... pregnancy wise it was great yeah cool and you mentioned that you didn't do the um chromosomal testing this pregnancy no so once we arrived down here because we were quite close to that 12 week mark I just went for um just a scan at 12 weeks to yeah. make sure everything was looking fine so yeah. we just did that and I wasn't concerned at all yeah um about that so yeah yeah Found um, a midwife again who was, she was really great. And we decided we would, again, I didn't tell her I was a midwife for ages, but I think (laughs) she kept picking up on some of the terminology I was using. And then when she heard about my previous birth, she was like, oh, something doesn't, like, (laughs) I wondered if you were a midwife. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we planned to have a home birth with him again or the birthing centre, either or. It was just dependent on the time of day and what the kids were up to because I just think because they were so little, I didn't want them to be worried. And yeah. I don't think I would have been really relaxed if they were around. Yeah. So we were kind of just going to play it by ear. Um, and he decided to come a week early, which <laughs> with Rosie, I was a bit overdue. And then the twins, I was induced. So I kind of just expected he would go late as well. Yeah. But yeah, at 39 weeks, or well, just before 39 weeks, um, my waters broke. It was 5 p.m. in the afternoon. I was on the phone to the Chinese takeaway <laughs> shop ordering dinner because yeah. I couldn't be <laughs> bothered cooking that night. And then I remember just feeling this pop and I was like, oh, that feels a bit wet down there. So I went to the toilet and my waters had broken, but there was really thick meconium in there. Mm-hmm. It was like pea soup coming out. Yeah. So I knew exactly what that meant, that I wouldn't be able to be at home or the birthing center anymore. So again, I felt like the birth I wanted at home had kind of been mm. ripped away from me again. So yeah, that was, um, I mean, it is what it is yeah. and yeah. And my husband as well, he was quite traumatized from the other births. He didn't he doesn't enjoy hospitals. He didn't like seeing me in pain. Yeah. So we actually had talked about him potentially not coming to this one and just being home with the other kids. So that was a plan at the stage. I was like, Yeah, you can stay home with the kids and you can just come once um we actually knew what Taj was this time, we'd found out. So we knew he was a little boy and I was like, Once he's born you can um just come up and see him. Yeah. So I had one of my best friends come and support me and my mum and my sister were driving down from Auckland. So, um, yeah, so we had kind of all the support crew coming 
And then I had to go in and be monitored and he was absolutely fine. And she did a good stretch and sweep. And I, I'd actually been doing some stretch and sweeps on myself prior to that <laughs> um, and doing all the pre-birth stuff. So I already knew I was probably three, two or three centimeters dilated at least. So yeah, I started having contractions after she did another good stretch and sweep, um, walked the corridors and the stairs a few times at the hospital. And then, um, yeah, went into really rip-roaring labor. Again, it went from nothing to all go really quickly. Um, so yeah, at that point, once things got really heated, I was like yelling at my friend, get Aiden in here now. <laughs> like he needs to come right now. <laughs> so we had to organize a babysitter to come because my parents were still on the way down from Auckland. So we had a babysitter come and then he came up to the hospital as well. Um, and I actually, I didn't have a great labor with him. We got quite stuck at about five centimeters again. Um, so yeah, we were stuck there for hours and hours. I requested an epidural because I just was, I literally thought I was dying at, at that birth. Yeah. Um, and then the, it was like the worst news ever. They were like, they're in theatre with a big case and it's going to be two hours. And I was like, oh my goodness. So we waited those few hours and then I sat up to have an epidural. Um, it was probably about 10 or 11 at night at that point, And I could feel the head just <laughs> drop down when I was sitting up in that position Anyway, we lied back down and she's like, oh, yeah, you're fully dilated. But by that point, I had got quite numb all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> so we just waited for a little bit and then started pushing and he was born within maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, a good outcome yeah. in the end. But it was probably very different to what I had in mind. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. was he popped up onto your skin um, for skin to skin? And did you do sort of delayed cord clamping and everything like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um Actually, with all of the babies, with the twins and him, I kind of, the obstetricians got their little heads out and then I always kind of reached down and delivered the rest of them. So yeah. I've got some pretty cool photos of me yeah. sort of bringing like the Simba hold, like bringing him yeah. up um, and then bringing yeah, him into my chest. Yeah. So we had to do skin to skin. I mean, we got to do skin to skin for only about half an hour or so. And then he actually had to go to Skaboo for a little while because um, of all that meconium he was really yeah. grunty and struggling to breathe a little bit so yeah. unfortunately we didn't get to do the first breastfeed but I just expressed and gave him a bunch that way um yeah, yeah so he went to Skaboo and then I just went and had a really good sleep for a few hours and then I think maybe about three in the morning they brought him back and he was absolutely fine yeah um and stayed with me so um yeah all my family came up the next morning brought the kids up which was just the best <laughs> thing ever um I recommend to anyone that has other siblings they're introducing to catch that on video because they are just my most favorite videos ever when yeah. I look back on them it just oh it brings back all the feels so that was pretty <laughs> special having everyone come up and meet him yeah and then we went to the birthing center that day and spent another two or three days there which was yeah. absolute bliss I think it was just really nice to I don't think Aiden stayed with me during the day. He did a bit, but not at nights. But it was just nice for us to get yeah. to know Taj without the other kids there, just to get a yeah. bit of bonding time with him. Because once we got home, it was all go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I bet. And how did you find that adjustment? I mean, obviously you've gone from one to three, so quick jump. Um, but then now bringing home your fourth, how was that adjustment for you? Um. Yeah, it was okay. To be fair, it was probably the hardest adjustment and not because he was a hard baby. He was actually a, a total dream and very easy. It was just that the twins were, um, they're about 21 months old, I think. And Rosie yeah. was three and a half on the day that Taj was born. So all kids <laughs> were three and a half and under. So they were all just at quite an age where they really needed me. Um, yeah. So I felt that really hard 
yeah probably this that fourth time just because the twins were at a tricky age it wasn't because yes. he was a, a hard baby but he just slotted in so easy he fed amazing he slept well yeah it was he was fine it was just the dynamics of now having four kids yeah yeah um and not having the family support I think that time really yeah was quite evident um yeah. I think with the other babies especially with the twins we had such amazing support but this time as well and we hadn't been down here very long we'd only been down here for maybe mm. we moved in um August and then he was born in the March so we didn't really have like a very close friend network either we I had a couple of really close friends down here but other than that it was very different to when we're in Auckland yeah 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 so yeah that was a little bit different yeah and what was this um breastfeeding journey like yeah really good again I had truckloads of milk which really helped um I only ever like expressed if I needed to occasionally my babies all of them um had horrific witching hours so (laughs) all four of them from about 6 p.m in the evening till about 11 p.m at night just all screamed and wanted to be fed if they weren't fed they were just screaming so I basically would just sit on the couch watching Netflix for four or five hours at a time Um, so yeah he would just feed and feed that would be the only thing that settled him and then every night he would do a massive projectile vomit Mm because he'd overfed and then he'd go to sleep and then we'd just start again so yeah (laughs) he was a really good little feeder yeah yeah awesome and how do you sort of find it now um that the kids are a little bit more grown up with their age gaps what's that like for you yeah I love having them close together I think there's benefits to any age gap though isn't there yeah yeah of course I can see why people have bigger age gaps because I look at when Taj was born and Rosie being three and a half that was actually amazing she was so helpful she was so independent um compared to like the twins being one and a half um or nearly two so I can see like that age gap would be amazing, but now having them close together, they're just the best little mates and they Mm. entertain each other all the time. Um, I mean, we've kind of like, we've completely moved out of the baby zone now. So it kind of feels like a distant memory. So I guess that's easier because of that, but then there's just different, different things, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And how did you sort of find, I guess, as you reflect on your birth experiences from a midwifery perspective or in your job as a midwife, um, has it given you, I guess, a different perspective as part of your job or, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, it absolutely has. Um, and even though I'm a little bit gutted that the birth didn't quite go the way they did, I'm really glad for my midwifery practice that I've experienced so many different types of births. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's made me be able to relate to women and go, like, I really yeah. get it. I understand what it's like. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't made me a better midwife in the respect like in the aspect of um, my skills are no better than they were. Um, But I think just that empathy and that sympathy and just really understanding what those different journeys are like for women. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, to understand my women that have had twins, to have singletons, to have caesareans, to have vontuses, to be induced, to have meconium and have, you know, home birth chains plans. Like there's just been so many things in my births. Yeah. Um, So I think that aspect has really helped me. Yeah, And just once you've had babies, you just get what it's like. I think it's yeah. one of these things that we really can't prepare people for. And I say this in my classes all the time to women. It's like, I can teach you as much as I can teach you in this five-week course, yeah. but there's just nothing can really prepare you for having a baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 100% agree with so that. <laughs> I think apart from having a baby, just once you have a baby, you just get it. And so yeah. to be able to to understand what women are really going through, I think that's made me a better midwife because of that, just yeah. to, to really get it. Yeah. 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 
Awesome. Cool. And is there anything mm. else that you'd like to share in regards to any of your stories or anything else that you want people to know? Oh, I don't think anything in particular. Yeah. Um, I think for people that are just like newly pregnant and yeah, I mean, I talk about this like a lot on my Instagram um, is just about like knowledge is power, educate yeah. yourself. There are yeah. so many amazing resources out there. Um, like you've got your amazing hypnobirthing course. I've got my online antenatal class. There yeah. are amazing books out there. There are heaps of online other courses. Um, there's amazing physical classes. Um, you know, it's all about a village to support each other. Yeah. Once your baby's here and while you're pregnant, talk about things because often people think this doesn't happen and no one else is experiencing it. But yeah. I can guarantee you once you start talking about it, then all like people will come out of the woodwork and share very sure. similar stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think you can never over-educate yourself. Um, but at the same time, just keep a really open mind because I just know that when you're so fixated on having things one way, yeah. um, especially when it comes to birth, I think a lot of the time that's when the disappointment comes. So I yeah. think with my birth, like, yes, on paper, they might not be what I wanted, but I still think they're really positive birth experiences. Yeah. So I walk away and I ha only have fond memories of my babies being born. Yeah. Um, Whereas I know the people that are really fixated on having things one way um, or they're not educated or they're not informed and in making the decisions themselves. That's, I think, when a lot of those feelings of, um, you know, failing and being traumatized by your birth and all of that comes into it. Obviously, there's so many other aspects as yeah. well, but I think that is one area that women can really take hold of is just really educate yourself, um, surround yourself with people that are going to share really positive things like it's amazing when you have a baby how many people are very quick to jump and tell you all the negative <laughs> things, right? Yeah. Like they just want to tell you the horror stories yeah. and like, oh, my God, you're never going to sleep again. But I've always made a conscious effort to just talk about the positive stuff. Yeah. Like there are so many more amazing things than the negative things um, in this process. So it's like I think we just need to focus on those positive things because all that those negative things do is instill fear into people and that's yeah. just not going to do anyone good going into the birth process. And I know you probably talk about that lots in your hypnobirthing course. Yeah. It's like you've just you can't go there. So I think, yeah, I'm just really big on educating yourself. Knowledge is completely power. Um, and, yeah, surround yourself with amazing support because having that village is, yeah, makes that journey a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think um, that was one of my reasons for actually starting this podcast. And I think that was why I loved my birth experience so much because I'd heard so many different stories. I had absolutely no expectations of what my birth was going yeah. to be like. But equally, I felt so well educated that I knew if it did end in a cesarean, I would feel totally okay with that. And I just loved my birth. And I think, yeah, that's why I so couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Carmen, for coming on the podcast oh, and sharing welcome. your Thanks story for having with me. us. You know, anytime. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I've had lots of requests for your story and um, yeah, it's awesome to hear such a variety of birth experiences. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks again to Sky from the Motherness Podcast for sponsoring this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I really appreciate your support and I would love for you guys to go and show Sky and her podcast some support. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback, so either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch.
Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.